Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Seasoned. I'm Chef Plum. Seasoned is a team of tea lovers, and we know you love tea too. Coming up this hour, we explore a few different tea experiences in the state where the focus is on, maybe you guessed it, community. T-E-A. <laughs> See what I did there? How do communities come together around tea? In what ways are tea and wellness linked? And how might tea be a social good? It's all ahead. Later in the show, I'll sit down for a tarot reading and a tea experience in a beautiful shop in Madison. Yep, tarot experience, I said it. Plus, we check in with the students at Central Connecticut State University's Tea Club. But first, I taste teas and learn about the mission behind Grace Farms in New Canaan. Grace Farms is a little bit of heaven on earth right here in our state. It's a cultural and humanitarian center, a nonprofit with a focus on ending forced labor around the world. 100% of the profits from the teas and coffees are used to support sustainable and ethical farming practices, as well as the generations of families who grow and pick the teas we love to drink. I met tea master Frank Quay in the pavilion of the gorgeous glass-enclosed river building for a tea tasting. We talked about his approach to blending tea and how to really taste tea, and how Grace Farms is nurturing the tea community. Frank, it's been so fun sitting here for a few minutes before we press the record button, just tasting a few teas with you and, and hearing your enthusiasm. So I want to ask you about your thinking process when you're blending sure. teas for Grace Farms. But before we get into that, hmm. can you tell us what is it about tea and the tea drinking experience that you first fell in love with? And what's your personal connection to tea? Going back to where I'm from and how I grew up. So I'm Chinese and my father was a diplomat for Taiwan. He had a saying that fine teas will always be there. Come when you're ready. To that end, I was never allowed to have fine teas growing up. I have plenty of memories of my father drinking tea. Interestingly enough, I don't have a single memory of having tea with my father. Rest his um, soul, he passed 30 years ago. But as I got older, I come to really appreciate that sort of way of looking at things. So tea is really something that you have to make time for. That's why I always grew up around tea, but I haven't really learned about this amazing plant until I had my own business. Back in 1999, when I started a tea company, that's when I really dove into the history, the culture, and the people behind this product. When you're blending teas, hmm. where do you start? Are you thinking about herbs that match well with a tea type, like a black versus a green, or flowers that might pair well with the tea and herbs? I think the starting point is precisely that. It's this inspiration where you have a taste that sort of triggers an experience. So in terms of tea, a lot of it is all the senses, the flavor, the aroma, the visual of the tea. And in herbal and tea blending, there's this, what I like to say a primary herb versus a secondary herb meaning a primary ingredient is something that upon just mentioning it, you know it, like mint, Sure. right? However, 
taking mint, for example, is if I say spearmint, everyone knows what that tastes like, has an idea. But I bet for a majority of the populace out there, that connection between spearmint, it's probably with like bubble gum or toothpaste, toothpaste or something is where I was like going that. Immediately. Right? immediately. So when you're blending something that starts with spearmint, obviously I don't want to deliver toothpaste. Right. So in this case, what I want to do, not to knock spearmint because it's a beautiful product in and of itself, is you want to, in this case, make it a little bit more sophisticated. Okay. So you choose ingredients that will not only accompany spearmint, but sort of make it more grown up, if you will. In this case, is spearmint, and we chose rose petals. So rose petals by itself has almost a salty taste, but by blending a little bit of that with spearmint, you tamp it down a little mm -hmm. bit. And that's sort of the mentality, uh, mindset behind blending, which I'm sure similar with cooking. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You just have this ingredient. What can we do to accentuate the parts of that to make it the main ingredient there? Absolutely. So it's, it's similar to making food. Spearmint and rose sounds incredible, by the way. I'm excited. That sounds amazing. How is the nose on something like that? Does that play a role in when you're blending as you're putting these ingredients together, using your nose to kind of smell it? And, of course. And play a big role in the flavor? So here in blending, what we really want to emphasize in this line of Grace Farms Foods teas is to accentuate the natural characteristic of a particular ingredient, the taste, the aroma and everything. So literally what you're drinking is hot water and what mother nature provided. Gotcha. Right, nothing else is added. So here, speaking of spearmint, I'll make a little bit. So literally spearmint, rose petals, and calendula. And what you're smelling. Oh, wow. Right? That's incredible. And what you're tasting should all be exactly that. Frank, can you just talk us through the method you're doing right here to make the tea for us? Because we're not just taking some microwaved hot water and putting it into a mug with a tea bag. Like this is a exactly. much different situation here. When I teach people or do trainings about making tea, I always like to say making tea, the art is the three capital T's. Okay. The type of tea, the temperature of the water, and steeping time. Tea, temperature, time. So depending on the tea, when you tweak any one of those elements, you can deliver anything you want. But that requires understanding the relationship between temperature and hot versus lukewarm water to particular ingredient. Because you In, don't want the temperature to burn the tea, right? Precisely. So early on, we had a genmai cha, which is a Japanese green tea. So green teas are a little bit more delicate. So you want to make sure that when you're making green tea, you want the water temperature to be a little bit cooler. I mean, about 175, 180 degrees okay. off of a boil. You want to pour the water first, tea second, meaning fill the teapot with the desired temperature water and then sprinkle the green tea on top of the water so that the extraction of the flavor is slower. Yeah. As opposed to what I'm doing now, which is making mint. And mint is something that you want hotter water and you want to force out the flavor. So in this case, that process is reversed. So I have a teapot here and I have the mint sitting in the dry teapot and I'm pouring, showering hot water. This one's about 195 degrees directly on top of the tea. 
So we're just below about boiling here because water right. boils at 212 degrees. Exactly. So we know after 212, let that temperature come down some for those working at home. It's an easy way to do it to know that at 212 Correct. degrees, you're boiling. So yep. that's too hot. Yep. When it's that hot, you're cooking it. You're damaging the, the right? leaves. So you know that the second tea temperature is at 212. And then you have, depending on the tea that you're making, what I would want to do in that case is to dramatically shorten the time. Gotcha. It's kind of like blanching because you know that if you leave it in too long, you're going to overcook it and then you'll cook off all the subtlety and all the sweetness and you're just going to get like very flat colored water. Mm -hmm. Right. So the same philosophy there. So what I'm doing here is it's been a couple minutes. Yeah, not long at all here. These tea bags have not been here maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. Yep. Because when you're dealing with fresh, high-quality ingredient, as you know, as a chef, the better the ingredient, the more it's able to impart. Mm -hmm. It has more to give, so to speak. So when you have fresh ingredients, you want to, after you steeped it for the desired amount of time, and I've been doing it long enough that I know by scent and color, I know that's how much I want it to steep. Because if I don't separate it and sort of pull the strainer and remove the tea bags from the tea, it's going to continue to steep and it'll get too strong. Yeah, too strong, too bitter. Those tannins almost come out. And be, exactly. That's, That's the biggest misunderstanding people have about teas because often I have guests saying, oh, you know, I love tea, but I don't really like green tea. And I usually say, well, why not? And I say, well, because it's so bitter. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, chances are you've never had green tea made properly for you and allow me to do that. So we've already gotten a little, you know, nerdy for tea lovers out there with oh, this, which I love it. But tea is like wine in some ways as you're pouring this delicious stuff for us to taste. And you believe there's a critical difference between drinking tea and tasting tea. Oh, absolutely. So for people at home who value the experience and want an investment in sustainability and ethically sourced tea, what are your tips for how to really appreciate this tea? How might we taste great tea? Well, a lot of it is attitude. Okay. It's the difference between Shake Shack and Danielle. Like when you have a craving for a Shake Shack, your sort of stomach is growling as, ah, oh, I could really go for fill in the blank. And you go there and you get it and you eat it and you're just like, ah. Oh, you awesome. hope no one watches because you're shoveling it into right? your mouth. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Right? Your desire has been satisfied. That's a very different experience than you're making a reservation at Danielle mm -hmm. two months out and you're saving it for a particular occasion, your anniversary. I don't go to Danielle because I'm starving. Right. Right. You go to a place like that for an experience. And it's this, I wonder how, what the chef is going to do to surprise me tonight. Right. So that's the difference between eating and tasting. Drinking tea versus tasting tea. Tasting is a much more intentional, much slower process. That's why I'm pouring you little two ounce shot glasses of tea. Because the point is not to give you a 20 ounce venti of it, is I want you to taste. Do we taste tea like wine? Absolutely. Or we put that area to area to kind yep. of get those flavors up through your nose. So you know when you taste, it's one long inhalation, one long breath. You breathe in aerate because it's said that the human mouth on the inside is sort of millions of nerve endings. It's said that we taste different flavors in different parts of our mouths. But the idea is this long inhalation, mm -hmm. 
aerate it, spray it on the inside of your mouth, swallow it slowly, and exhale through your nose. And you're almost smelling in reverse. I want you to smell from the inside. So you swallow and and then you'll pick up nuances on the way out that you didn't pick up on the way in. There's a lot of flavors. I just did that. Right. There's a lot of things going and on the in there. pure, the ingredient, whether it be wine, coffee, tea, or the more you're going to get out of that experience. Yeah. That being said, if it's cheap tea, cheap coffee, or, or low-grade wine, you can suck all you want and you're not going to get anything <laughs> out of it. So Frank, for people who are new to tea, but they're curious about it, how do you introduce them? It begins with, I invite you to come have some tea. And this whole process, it's slower because you're asking people to have a seat first. Take a breath, take off your jacket, relax, slow down, and let me pour you something nice. That's different than, hi, nice to see you. Here's our menu. What would you like to order? Mm-hmm. Right? That is like Starbucks drive-through and all that. It has its own place and time, but it's different than inviting people to appreciate tea because to taste tea, you fundamentally have to appreciate it. If you don't have time to appreciate it, don't. Part of appreciating tea, Frank will tell you, is knowing where in the world it comes from and the difference between tea and herbal drinks. All wines come from grapes, different varietals, different mm -hmm. region, nevertheless, it's all grapes. And of course, um, depends on the winemaker, what they do with the grapes that you have this world of wine. Same thing with teas. All teas in this context, all teas come from this plant called Camilla sinensis. That's the tea plant. Depends on how the tea plant is picked and processed, you have the world of teas, white teas, green teas, oolong teas, black teas, pours, and these are all different categories. But all these teas come from this plant. There's two major varietals. There's Camilla sinensis sinensis and then Camilla sinensis asamica. Asamica is India. The leaves are a little bit smaller. Sinensis, larger leaf, originated in China. That being said, a majority of tea in the world comes from these five main countries, China, Taiwan, Japan, India, and Sri Lanka. So having explained that that is tea, hence, if it's not Camilla sinensis, technically, it's not tea. And that distinction is important to note because Camilla sinensis has caffeine. Herbals as a category don't have caffeine. It has a lot of flavor as we're indicating here, right? And then teas still need to be made. Chamomile is you pick the flower, dry it, that's it. Nothing is done right. to it. The tea leaf still needs to be heated and oxidized in order to make tea. The oxidation level is what distinguishes different categories. White teas and green teas are lightly oxidized. Percentage-wise, 8 to 25% oxidation level whereas black teas is fully oxidized, 85% to 100% oxidized. And this big gap in the middle between 30 and 80% lives the world of oolong teas. 
So we've got teas and we've got herbals. It's time for me to try Frank's blend of both. One blend is inspired by a memorable trip Frank and the Grace Farms team took to Darjeeling. There, they met the tea farmers their mission aims to support. So we're making something beautiful here. The color of this is incredible. This is breathe, turmeric right. and ginger. So remember I was saying there's a distinction between teas and herbals. Right. And then there's a third category, wellness teas. Wellness teas are usually a combination of teas and herbals. What's included is adaptogens, and adaptogens usually are sort of a category of herbs and mushrooms that have health properties. Okay. And we're trying Breathe here, which has turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and black pepper, and licorice, and bay leaves. Bay leaves, that's interesting. It's all about proportion. And the idea is when you're wow. making a nice blend, you should get just a hint of all the ingredients. Yeah, the turmeric comes through for me in this, and I don't think turmeric has much flavor to begin with, but it really right. does come through here. Right. The cinnamon is light on the back of your tongue, yep. which I love, and the ginger, it's not overpowering. So that's the sort of art of creating a nice blend. It's this balance of the ratio of the ingredient. That black pepper is very subtle. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it the first time, but I'm getting it now a little bit. Now, this one plays a big role, I think, in the breathing we talked about before. The, yep. you know, the, the breathing in and breathing yep. out. This is a big role with this one, which is why we call it breathe. <laughs> yes. But it makes a big difference in the flavor. Absolutely. This last one is a Darjeeling second flush. So last year, we traveled to northern India. Darjeeling is a name of a region in northeastern India. Darjeeling is to tea what Bordeaux is to wine. Okay. Bordeaux is Bordeaux. Why is that because of terroir and climate mm -hmm. and history and so on and so forth? Same thing with Darjeeling. So we went to Darjeeling to take a look at the history and the story and the people and the culture behind tea making. Part of what Design for Freedom and the purpose of Grace Farms Foundation about addressing the issue of forced labor. This is one uh, example of really going to a place and see how something is done. So these teas, the tea that I'm going to make you, when we say is handmade, we mean handmade. Every single leaf is hand plucked. It's not a employer-employee type of relationship. These tea gardens are. I don't know, thousands or millions of hectares and cover entire regions. So these tea gardens are responsible for three to 5,000 families. So there are multiple generations, there are children born on tea estates. They have their own school, they have their own hospital. It's a community in the truest sense. People's lives are sort of ingrained into this product. This tea that I'm about to make you um, in the tea world, we call it a single origin, single estate, Darjeeling second flush. Second flush meaning it's the second pick of the season. Once a month, there is this full moon. Uh, in fact, in June, the full moon is called strawberry full moon. And when everything is aligned, everything is just perfect, it's sort of a celebration. The best pluckers would get into costume and there's a whole festival around it where they will pick leaves under the light of this particular full moon. In costume. In costume, literally no, no artificial lighting is just picked under the full moon. And that batch of tea is special. 
it's used to make a special category, a special lot of tea. When I say a lot, it means a particular day, a particular time, and so forth. So strawberry full moon is this particular lot of tea that is picked on that particular evening under the light of that particular full moon. So you poured some of your hot water first into your pot to warm the pot. Right. And then you so poured the hot water process. into the... So this is a process. Sometimes it's called xing cha or to... Oh, wow. Awake the, the tea leaves, if you will. Part of the ritual of making tea is also paying respects to the people and the culture behind these tea leaves. So when you make it, you want to be as intentional as possible. So what I do as part of my ritual is this heating of the pot, pouring the water gently over the leaves. Every little bit as I'm doing it, I'm silently saying a word of thanks. Know that everything that you're tasting is intentional. Someone in India who've been doing this for three, four, five generations, through practice, through experience, they hone their skill to a point that what you're tasting in your mouth right now is exactly what they want to produce. So what I try to do here in the pavilion here is I try to make these teas the best way I know how to pay homage to the tea growers. I'm doing it to pay tribute and homage to the lives and the people that I met last year whose livelihood depend on this. So to honor them, I want to treat this tea well. What a wonderful tea this is to taste, especially hearing those stories and just thinking about it deeply as we sip this is pretty remarkable. And it's a whole other layer of enjoyment on it. Hopefully you have an appreciation for this tea. And that's the impact I want to leave people. You know, we're here to create a more hopeful, more equitable, more sustainable future. And all of that begins with a little bit of cup of tea. That was Frank Quay, tea master at Grace Farms in New Canaan. You can learn more about Grace Farms' mission and find all of their teas and coffees at gracefarms.com. But if you can, you really should experience Grace Farms in person. There's so much natural beauty to take in, and the tea events are just one element of the important work going on there. Programs around music, film, food, nature, and architecture happen year-round. Go to our show page for links and to see the photos Tony Spinelli took of our visit. Check out ctpublic.org seasoned. I'm Chef Plum, and this is Seasoned. We'll be right back after a quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. 
I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Welcome back to Season. I'm Chef Plum. Now here's a tea experience you don't have every day. Have you heard of tea and tarot in Madison? It's in the historic Abigail Meg's house where herbalist and tarot reader Heather Wright Fitzgerald can read your cards and your energy and blend a custom herbal tea to support your well-being. Things can get pretty emotional up in here. If you're a tea lover on a spiritual journey, this is one fun way to explore both. I asked my colleague Meg Fitzgerald, no relation to Heather, to join me for this conversation. Meg is a former student of Heather's. She's also a CT Public's resident herbal enthusiast and a tea maker herself. We started by asking Heather to talk to us about the building itself, which feels rustic and warm and cottage-like inside. Outside, you're greeted by a sign on the door that says, The Witch is In. After I had moved in, I found out that it's part of the Madison Historical Society. Oh, wow. So I saw a plaque on the front of the building that said Abigail Meg's. Abigail actually used to live here in the 1700s. She used to host tea and spinning parties here Come on. in this space. Yep. And she would only serve herbal tea. I guess that was an activity they did, like activists did mm-hmm. back then, protesting importation taxes on British goods. Yes. So, yeah. And that's why they were drinking herbal tea, because yes. they were protesting the taxation on both fabrics yep. and, and British tea. And British tea. That's kind of what <laughs> makes this even cooler, that like yeah. this was a, a place of community gathering over herbal tea. And here Heather is, you know, hundreds of years later creating a space for that in, in yes. this very building. Yeah, yes. how crazy is that story? Like just, it's very similar to before. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not going to do any spinning, I don't think, unless you've got some, <laughs> maybe no. some Pelotons. I don't know. It's no. kind of spinning, I guess. <laughs> but what a beautiful place. So you walk up here and honestly, just all of the different tea bags, these beautiful white tea bags that are in these great cabinets sitting here. And there's just so many things. I feel like everything probably means something, doesn't it? It does, actually. A lot of the artwork, a lot of the furniture, a lot of the things that are here, even my teacups have come from different people in my family. Um, this is my grandmother's cabinet, the artwork on the walls, my mother's, different aunts gave me different different things. Like my whole family, basically, when I opened the store, showed up and helped me set the whole thing up. So a lot of it is my personal belongings, the things that mean something to me. So it's kind of special. That's kind of what is so cool about Heather and this space is like she's so welcoming to people that like you're wanting to discover tea or the tarot yeah. doesn't feel intimidating. You know, she's just like, yeah, let's geek out on all these things. Well, I gotta cool. be honest, after meeting you, I'm a little bit less worried about having tarot done. <laughs> awesome, good, get into that, and yes. Before we jump into it, I wanna point out uh, Meg's earrings are tarot cards, which are pretty amazing. Yes, let's check that out. Yes, yeah, so are Heather's. Are they really? <laughs> <laughs> I yep. think it's flipped around the wrong yeah, way. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're twinning. Yes. Oh my gosh, we should have some of those. <laughs> Heather's signature blended loose teas are a particular source of pride. She's created teas to support people who want to boost focus and memory, support general wellness, or help with anxiety and depression. That particular blend is called Feeling Blue, and it's a bestseller. It actually turns blue from the butterfly pea flowers in the recipe. Heather's created dozens of blends, and they line the shelves in pretty white packages. And as you might expect, nature rules the day here, so Heather's teas nod to the seasons as well. 
the seasons are really important when it comes to herbalism and tea. So each season we introduce different flavors that would be, you know, fitting for that season. So right now we're in spring. So a lot of them are very flowery. They have a lot more of our like lavenders and rose and, and that type of thing. Um, and then we get into like summer and it's a little bit more fruity, a little more citrusy maybe. And then when we get to fall, we're into like the pumpkin spice and the spice cinnamon and, yeah. The, yeah, and the apple and that kind of thing. So we change it up seasonally just because there's certain things that really call to us at different seasons. Well, I'm far out of my lane when it comes to this. So I'm excited to <laughs> sit down with you all and talk about this a little bit. And by the way, as we look at this beautiful shelving of all your recipes, I love the book up here. It just says, it's, it's an Alice Hoffman book. It says Practical Magic. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a ride. <laughs> yes. We're yes. all about the practical magic yes. in the shop, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, that's the perfect, perfect analogy. Yeah. Being in the shop is a sensory experience. Meg explains a bit about the layout and what you can expect when you go to Tea and Tarot. One of the things for our listeners to understand, and it's kind of a cool thing about the shop, especially because this was Abigail Meek's home, mm-hmm. is that the kitchen is sort of in the middle of it. And what's kind of cool is that as you walk through the shop, like you can walk into the kitchen and there's, you know, this beautiful cabinet full of all these antique cups that Heather, you can come in and Heather will pour you a cup of tea from one of these antique cups while you're here. But you can actually walk into what she likes to call her potion bar. And like, you know, (laughs) Heather will blend a tea for you back here or a potion with edible glitter in it that makes it feel extra Extra magical. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yes. Well, potion bar sounds like fun. You can't bring something like that up and not expect I want to see it. So can we go back there? <laughs> yeah. Right, let's, let's do it. Okay, so this is the potion bar. So we walked through the kitchen, like Meg was saying, it's kind of in the middle of the of the house, which is I, I love the wooden exposed beams everywhere, the white ceiling, and there's just a refrigerator in the middle. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But here we are at this bar, and I see all these little squeeze bottles and Meg, you're right. surrounded it, by herbs, it's, it's like right? like a potion. Like you yeah. really, this is like reminds me of like what, what you would get like, you know, in an old Dungeons and Dragons movie or something. Yeah. That kind of shaped bottle. I don't know what it you makes call you that. feel like you're in a real apothecary, which to me is yeah. what I love about this place. So I I call it our herpothecary. I have like hundreds of herbs all behind you. All the tea blends are are mixed and on top of the counters. So everything that we make, we do right here. I'm also a flower essence practitioner, which means that I work with the emotional body with people. So I will do a reading or just any sort of type of exchange with somebody. And if I feel based on their reading, based on their cards, that it might benefit them to work with a certain plant or a certain herb, whether it's, you know, in tea form or in flower essence form, then I make that for them to take with them. This way they have something to take with them after their reading. They can extend their healing to to the home space. This is fantastic. I feel like my entire world's about to change. Seriously. So it's chefs. <laughs> One of the things I was going to say when, when Heather says spiritual body, right? Like plants, right? And in addition to what they do when you ingest them, like in a tea and take them and there's all these medicinal qualities to them. Plants have these spirit essences. It's kind of hard to think about that okay. or understand that, but like plants that are good for your heart. So when you ingest it might be physically good for your heart. But if you're going through like a breakup or you're just feeling like, you know, in a hard time, the spiritual, like Heather could make you an essence or a tea and you're with the essence you're working with, like the spirit of the plant helping your heart. And it's, Wow. It might sound like a little wooey, no, no, right? No. But I'm it's really it. beautiful. It's you know, really beautiful. From a chef's perspective, just kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, I have a friend of mine. He has a hot sauce company. Mm-hmm. He grows all these peppers himself and a massive, massive greenhouse. But he plays Metallica all day long in the greenhouse. And he thinks it does a thing for them. And they get like, they're angry. 
and it's crazy, <laughs> but apparently it works. Is yeah. that the, along the same lines, or just, oh, totally, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, totally, good, good, totally. I believe in playing music for your plants as well, so I am all down for his his process. I believe okay. in that. Yes. Well, we as herbalists believe in what's called a doctrine of signature, which means that a plant can tell us what it can do for us based on the way that it looks, where it grows, even how it reproduces, what color it is, all different things. And so, an extension of that is yes, we have our medicinal values of different plants, but we also have energetic values. And so, what Meg was was explaining beautifully was that it allows us to use that type of medicine for our spirit, for our emotional body. And that's usually what I deal with the most with readings, with tarot readings. Most people come to tarot readers when they are in distress, when they're upset, when something's going wrong. And it's a way for me to help them find their way out, to basically give them a next step and to make them feel supported in that next step. Because I can't give them all the answers, but I can definitely help them feel supported in, in making decisions and figuring out what's next. And so this is this is the modality that I personally work with. And and it's fun. We get to, I basically made like different types of herbal syrups that they go in. Of course, I add edible glitter to everything these days because I'm slightly obsessed. But there's something that somebody can take with them to help support them. Heather poured us one of her new herbal blends in a series inspired by tarot cards called The Lovers. The tea is pink and includes hibiscus, passion fruit, cinnamon, rose petals, and of course, a little glitter. How awesome are these teacups? They're beautiful. We settled into one of the little nooks and talk a bit as I work up the nerve to have my first ever tarot reading. All right, so let's define a few things to start. Everybody knows what tea is, but not everybody knows what tarot is. Mm. Or there might be some misconceptions around what tarot is or what tarot readings are, like it's fortune telling or something like that. Mm-hmm. What do you do as a practicing holistic tarot reader? Like what happens here? For me, I actually, I really wanted to kind of change the tone of how people look at tarot. For as long as I can remember, if we see tarot in, on TV shows or in the media and, and whatnot, it's kind of used as like hokey thing that you know, right. it might be fortune telling, it might be scam artists. We see all sorts of misrepresentations of what it actually is. For me, it's always been a tool to surface your intuition, to surface whoever you're reading for, their intuition, and help them figure out whatever it is that they need to deal with, whatever's front and center. I found this tool about like eight years ago or so. As I was going through actually a breakup, it was one of my ways to take care of myself, you know, okay. a healthy thing to learn about. It was really powerful. It was very intuitive. It definitely always gave really good information. And then it started to segue into my herbal journey. So I found there's a beautiful synergy between both the tarot and, and herbalism. So as I got better and better at learning how to read tarot, I decided to bring these two mediums together. And, and my business started maybe about five years ago, even before I had a physical space. And my idea was to provide a session for somebody where we would go through the tarot, I would do a reading for them. But while they're talking, I'm constantly listening for different things that could support them or help them in whatever their situation happens to be. When we're done with their reading, I would then give them a tea blend or a flower essence that would match the energies of whatever they have to to heal from or or work through. I like to wrap up readings that way where we, we don't just leave people in their mess. We allow them to think about what can they do, where they have power to make changes or think through their problems, and then take their tea or their flower essence home with them so they can continue to think about some of the things that we talked about and and put that into action in their life. So my approach is probably a little different than some people. I've been really working hard to change the misperception that it's this, you know, 
creepy thing that you'd be worried about. So in my space here, we're very, I'm very, very pleased that it's a safe space. I've had more than 50% of my guests that come through here have never had a reading. So the fact that they feel safe enough to come in here and they know that we're going to take care of them means a lot to me. It does have that vibe when you walk in, Meg. Yes. I feel like from what your description, tarot cards are like a subconscious brain translator. Yes. Yes. You know, so you can understand what, what your brain thinks. And I think to your point, Chef, that idea of like people's misconception of it and that fortune telling idea, it's not there to predict your future. Right. If you're going to a tarot reader because you want them to give you the answers of your life, that is not what it's about. Yeah. It's a really about helping you understand the energies. And that's when Heather's tapping into that intuitive. That's what I think is so cool about the r- relational uh, aspect of this to the plants because plants are also energy, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, tarot and tarot readings are about helping you kind of understand like what is the energy that is present or what is coming up so that you understand how to work with that energy. It's not like, oh no, you need to break up with that man. He's bad for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean sometimes yeah. it sometimes happens. It can be. Sometimes, sometimes, it happens. sometimes yeah. they are very direct yeah. and they will, they'll call you on your Excuse my yeah. language. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, we, we talked a little bit about your tea in here and how you make some things and how you make it you know, yourself and your recipes. But just, you know, just a quick overview of just what makes your tea different than what you can buy in the grocery store. So in the grocery store, you're seeing bag tea. Yeah. The longer that any herb is in a bag, it gets broken down and broken down and broken down. So the more powdered it gets, you lose the volatile oils in the plant and it doesn't taste the same. Like, you know, as a chef, would you rather use fresh rosemary or dried stuff that's been on the counter for, right? So so there's a huge difference. And that's that's something that we as herbalists appreciate, and and I'm sure you do too as a chef, that the quality of the ingredients really matters. And so in any place that I possibly could, I've grown a lot of our plants, wildcrafted a lot of stuff. I search for higher quality ingredients because of the fact that I want to make sure you get the actual intention of what this this plant is supposed to bring yeah. you. So it's not powdered. I do not bag my teas. Everything's loose leaf so that you can have it in its best form. Heather, when you're creating your blends, do you have like rituals that you do when you're blending or you're making or, or how you're tapping into your intuition in terms of how it might inform your blends? I, I don't know that I have a specific ritual. A lot of my blends started as as recipes that I, when I was learning in an herbal class, there were certain intentions. And so I was thinking about that intention when I made most of the medicinal blends. Some of our more creative blends, if you will, is honestly, I feel inspired. There's a young man who's in college right now that I found him completely organically. He just wandered into the shop one day. He's like 20 years old, studying plant genetics and biotech. And he's very passionate. He's part of his tea club and whatnot. And so we blend a lot of stuff together. He actually um, last summer created a blend to support the trans community. Yes, I love this blend. Talk about he it. Did, yeah, he, he was so thoughtful about it. He actually went through and thought about how to find very gender neutral plants. They're supposed to be hormone neutral as well. So he chose plants based on that. And I, I just loved watching him figure that out. Oh, it's called Transcend. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So he did a beautiful job with that. So I, I don't think there's really a ritual. I think we get inspired or excited and then it kind of, we feed off each other when we're making stuff because all of a sudden we just have this intention and we go for it. We've been talking a lot about tea and community in this show. And I want to n- talk about why it was important for you to create this community? Like why tea, why tarot? And how would you describe the tea and tarot community? I found herbalism and the tarot like maybe about 
eight years ago or so, I was sitting in my cube in my desk in Norwalk, Connecticut, and I just, I felt like I was living this double life. Like I really just wanted to be with my plants and I wanted to study and and learn more about nutrition and, and herbalism and wellness. And the more that I learned, the more that it started to change who I was and, and how I felt about myself and how I carried myself. It became a very dominant thing that I just wanted to be able to live my truth. I wanted to be able to spend more time in that in that space. So um, during the pandemic, my wife was not thrilled with me when I was like, I'm going to open up a tea shop. She was like, this is a terrible idea. She's like, she's a financial analyst. Oh, so that makes she's a lot like, of sense now. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this does, the math doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I, no. I'm sorry, but my intuition is saying go for it. So I did. I opened up the shop. It didn't make it a lot of sense on paper, but did it anyway. And I was pleasantly surprised at who showed up for me and who showed up for the shop and, and wanted that community, that space that didn't exist necessarily down here on the shoreline. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised to see that we really catered to women. We really catered to sensitive folk. We really catered to the queer community. And as a you know black queer woman, like that was like trying to create space for those of us who just need that that support that want that community that was really awesome to to be able to open our doors and and welcome literally everybody we're non-denominational it's just we welcome anybody who wants anything for their for their mind spirit and body the moment i walked into this shop for the first time it was like i didn't even have to figure that out it was just evident yeah and i don't know how to i can't even explain it it was it was magical in that way and i felt Ooh, I'm getting almost emotional. Ah, that. That's great. Oh, but I felt so welcome. Every time I come to this shop, I meet cool, beautiful people. Well, it's like I said when I walked in, I felt very, very comfortable coming in here. And it, it has that that energy, feels comfortable, feels like you're in a safe place. It feels like even if you're a, a guy like me who, you know, I cook food and make jokes for a living. And, and <laughs> I'm about to have a tarot card reading See, done. But I'm excited right about in. it. I'm excited about <laughs> it. What a great community. That sounds incredible. It makes it definitely feels safe. So, yeah. Uh, can we get into Let's this? Let's get into yeah. it. I'm a little yeah. worried about this. Can we jump into this? Chef, I'm excited Are about you? this reading for you. I'm worried what he's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry. Never fear yes. the cards. Never no. fear the cards. Uh, well, no. All right. Take whatever resonates with you, and you can leave whatever doesn't. That's okay. Okay. So I just want to tell you ahead of time, I have I have a friend who talks to dead people. Like yeah, that's, yeah. Her, that's her job. Yeah. And she's always calling me. She's like, I just got to tell I'm going to take a message, tell them I'm not available. I don't, I don't, I don't really need to know any of that. <laughs> well, I am not a medium, so that that isn't the the skill set that I have. Although I've taken a class, which is really fun, but not not quite there. So I also will say too that I don't typically use the word psychic. Yeah, I'm significantly more of an intuitive. Intu- yeah, intuitive. I get that. So my sure. my purpose anyway is to help guide you to your own answers. We'll sur- whatever will surface, and you can tell me whatever you think you want me to know. But the cards will tell you if there's something else that needs your attention. But like I'm not sure if, I was, if I'm supposed to tell you things or if I just kind of like you let it happen. To. And then this building, like it's really old. Is there ghosts? Like what are we doing? There's no, definitely, no, no. There's <laughs> definitely energies in here. Yes. That was one of the things that be- when we first moved in, before we moved any furniture in, I smudged the whole place and I just said, you know, all are welcome as long as it's you know positive energy. Because yeah, yeah, that's an old house. All right, Meg, you're with me, all right? Yes. Okay. All right. So what I like to do to start is I have um, three oracle decks here. They represent different energies, moon energy, animal energy, and plant energy. And okay. you can shuffle them. You can not shuffle them. You can pull from top, but it doesn't matter. There's no wrong way to do it. Just pull it, but don't look at it. We're going to put them face down over here. Use okay. your gut intuition, Chef. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. if something feels is calling to you first, just, just go, go for it. For it. Yep. All right, here we Tr- go. Yeah, trust your gut. Do I pass them to you? Is that right? Yeah, that's fine. Let's go here. Okay. And I'm going to hand you this one, Heather. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> now, this you actually do have to shuffle this one. Okay, no one. problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, shuffle them in a way that you feel comfortable. You're kind of infusing some of your energy into the cards, Chef. I am? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, look at you. Like we're playing poker with my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to start, just pull three cards, keep them face down in front of me. So I shuffle the deck. You've spread them across the table. Yes. Uh, almost like in one long line as they're all kind of on top of each other. Yes. And I'm going to take how many, you said, Heather? Three. Three. Three, okay. I'm going to put them right down in front. Okay. Ooh. What does that mean? Okay, so, so, I, so I read cards facing me. Okay. So there, two of them are in reverse. One's in the upright position. Right in the middle is the sun. The sun is the most positive card in the deck. That means everything's good. Okay. However, I do feel that there might be some, some issues with communication between you and, and a partner. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is you're actually very well paired for each other. You actually have the, the means to really connect. There's a really good energy between the two of you. It seems like you've probably been together for, for quite a while. But it seems like at the moment you're not really speaking directly to each other. You're not on the same page as you normally would be. You're represented by here. King of Wands represents you. Queen of Wands represents your partner. Both wands represent um, to us energy. It's it's where our passion is. It's where our enthusiasm is. It's where we put a lot of our time and energy. Kings are masculine energy, right? Queen, feminine energy most of the time. can't, And it's not always um, exactly that binary, but for the most part, it's the feminine and the masculine energy being represented. In the reverse position, it just means that the two of you, you usually have a very good synergy between the two of you. Again, very well-paired partner, just at the moment, just not quite, you've just had a slight disconnect with some of that. The attention needs to be on spending time with your partner. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I have been together since 1998. Wow, okay, yep. Long time, Mm -hmm. long time. I call my wife my secret weapon, I would be nowhere without her. (laughs) She's the best thing ever. Uh, But that's interesting. We've, uh, life's kind of gotten in the way a little bit lately. There's a good connection there. It's it's um your balance. You're 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 good for each other. You balance things out. And you're you're very well matched. Like that's not the question at all. Just needs to be renewed energy between the two of you. That's so wild because Meg, I you saw I was going here to yeah. the left side to grab a card, and I went back over here. I think that's where I grabbed the king card. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would tell you, Chef, it's really interesting too. So we've got the Queen of Wands and the King of Wands. So when she says it's really well matched, I mean, for me, even when I see court cards oftentimes come out to have the Queen of Wands and the King of Wands together. Really? Like, that's why I can see why Heather says, oh, Whoa. this feels like a really important match. Like okay. for the two of the same suit to be together feels really powerful. Wow. And I love wands. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Chef, I also like how you pulled the lover's card and we're drinking the lover's tea. That's true. Connection. Yeah. We need to bring some home for her. Yes. (laughs) Update. I did bring home some tea to my wife, and you know, let's just say I'm a believer now, and Tara was not as scary as I thought it could be. It's actually pretty fun. Big thanks to Meg Fitzgerald for introducing me to Heather Wright Fitzgerald, who will likely blow your mind if you sit down with her for a tea and a reading. Her shop is Tea and Tarot Herbal Wellness Boutique in Madison. We'll link to it on our show page. I'm Chef Plum, and you're listening to Season. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to Seasoned, everyone. I'm Chef Plum. We're talking about tea experiences in this episode. Next up, a club I wish they had when I was back in school. 
Senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken visited the weekly tea club at Central Connecticut State University with CT Public intern and CCSU graduate Melody Rivera. Here's Robin. Tea club starts when hot water arrives in a five-gallon dispenser. C.J. Hoyt, a red-haired freshman, carries two large totes of teas and supplies to the back corner of CCSU's student center. It's called Semesters. It's where Tea Club meets every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Students grab paper cups and choose tea bags from dozens of boxes of teas. Tazo's passion tea is CJ's favorite. They're out of that one tonight. Green tea with citrusy flavors. I'll take that. In a typical meeting, the Tea Club president welcomes everyone, asks new members to introduce themselves, and poses this question to the group. What's the best thing that happened to you this week? There are lots of lovely answers and lots of supportive snaps. Saturday, I got to go to the MoMA with uh, family and a family friend. Awesome. They had a traveling exhibit about video games. Field trip. I got to see the second John Wick movie on Sunday, and then last night I watched Dead Poet Society. I watched Cocaine Bear. I don't recommend it. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was like, I'm sorry. I also had a new PR on my leg press. Yeah. Today I had an exam, and I did... The scores didn't come out, but I know I did very well on it. I went to see my old high school. They were doing a musical of Mamma Mia. It was a good show. It was a good show. I had my first hip-hop master class on Sunday, and it went really good. I finally got my PS2 emulator working, so I'm playing Final Fantasy XII for the first time in years. Oh and I intend gosh. to actually finish the game this time. Hey, snaps for that. Because of all this nice weather that we had yesterday and today, I felt like more energized. Like I felt better about myself because it was just so nice. There are other questions that come up in Tea Club, and maybe not surprising for a club that gathers over tea, those questions are largely about food. What potato chip flavor would you invent if you could? What kind of chocolate is best? I'm going to go with dark chocolate, like 70% around that. But if it gets to the high 80s range, it's not good. Those lint truffles, Mm. I like the 60% and the 70%. So they're like silver and gold. Literally give me those as like a little snack or whatever. (laughs) I love them. Anything with caramel. Milk chocolate and caramel hits the spot. Yeah. If you're waiting for a conversation about tea, that's not really what CCSU's Tea Club is about. Oh, they like tea just fine. But they're really here to be together, to hang, to talk. The second half of Tea Club is spent playing games. The card game Mafia is tonight's entertainment. While players tried to guess who had the ace, a few of the club members ducked out and spoke to CT Public intern Melody Rivera about what they get out of Tea Club and why they come back week after week. All those years ago when I was a freshman, I was looking at all the different clubs we had to offer. I noticed that there was a tea club. I was like, huh, that's really funny. There's a tea club. I wonder what that's all about. It's probably all like fancy tea sets and drama. About like a month after I found myself walking down the red brick road that we have at CCSU, I just saw a group of people that were in this circle. And there was just like a congregation. And they were like really like laughing, having fun, and I just had no idea what it was about until I 
asked them myself, I said, what is this whole thing? And they said, it was, this is Tea Club. Tell us about yourself. Sit down. And the rest is sort of history. It is a time away from stress. Tea Club is a time where you just come to the club and you talk with some friends. You don't worry about other stuff. You say the best part of your week. You don't even have to participate. You don't even have to drink tea. It is just a time to relax and not have to worry about the stress. And I love that. I have had weeks where it's like, man, this is rough. I can't wait for Tea Club. Even on a Monday as far like during the week, I'm like, God, I can't wait for Tea Club. Because it just gets rid of the stress. It is a nice time to talk with friends. Tea Club is basically known as our social club here at Central. It's where you can uh, socialize and definitely meet lots of great new people. I get a place to relax a little, have some social connection in the week, meet up with some people who share the same interests, with crazy ideas, not so crazy ideas. It's just a nice place for me to come, have some fun, relax a bit, and get away from the stresses of my life. I try to try some tea, usually different ones each time, and I enjoy each time figuring out the new types of flavors. I am Vietnamese second generation. My parents were born in Vietnam. Obviously, I was born here in the United States. I mostly drink matcha and green tea with my family because that's what they mostly drink. Um, and then when I started joining Tea Club, I was surprised at like how many like different variety of teas there are besides matcha and green tea. So I learned more about different types of teas than I never knew about before. My family is Chinese, so most of the time growing up, the main thing I actually drank was tea. It would be anywhere from ranging from black tea to green tea to red tea to uh, tea leaves to tea bags to just throwing random things together and hoping they work. Really, I'm just someone who enjoys drinking teas now, so the tea club just drew my interest. My relationship with tea is, has changed. Tea is definitely more of like a community drink to me after being in this club for so long. The most interesting tea that I've ever tried was the one I tried tonight, which was, I believe, the glazed lemon loaf tea. It's really sweet. It's also not caffeinated because I don't want to be awake at night because I have to get up early tomorrow morning. So I'm like, I need to get my sleep tonight. So prefer decaf tea on a Wednesday night for a tea club. Making the tea isn't too hard. It's really just putting the tea leaves, well, a set amount of them, into the teapot and letting them simmer for a while. After you let it simmer for a while, you can then pour out a small amount and then add in a little bit of more hot water. You do have to change the tea leaves, but it lasts for a long period of time though. The tea is a conduit for the social gathering, but obviously what's important is that social gathering. Uh, sometimes we've had some really interesting meetings when tea was not provided. So we had to have tea club without tea. And it was possible. I always say, you know, come for the tea, but stay for the people. Thanks so much to Charlie Hosick, CJ Hoyt, Mimi Duong, and Michael Liu, and the rest of the CCSUT club for letting us drop in on a meeting. The whole idea for this segment was Melody Rivera's. She graduated from CCSU in 22 and is wrapping up her internship with us right now. Thanks, Melody. Also, a shout out to CT Public's Meg Fitzgerald and Mark Murko, who attended the tea club too. I'm Chef Plum. Season is produced by Robin Doyan-Aiken, Katie Talarski, Meg Dalton, Catrice Claudio, Stephanie Stender, Meg Fitzgerald, and Sabrina Herrera. 
Special thanks to Meg and Melody for all of their work on this episode. Visit our show page to see photos of the tea experiences we had at Grace Farms, Tea and Tarot, and CCSU's Tea Club. They're at ctpublic.org season. And go to ctpublic.org food to sign up for the full plate newsletter. Then check your inboxes and open that newsletter on the third Thursday of every month. You'll get our featured recipes, videos, and advice from Charlie Nardozzi about growing herbs you can use in your tea. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you right back here next month. In the meantime, ring in spring with some tea.